um, hobbies you have. We could spend a lot of time talking about that. A lot of times our hobbies uh, revolve around what we create, right? And people do uh, do a lot of different things. Um, you know, I don't scrapbook or uh, do anything like that, but uh, a lot of people do. Uh, you can go to Hobby Lobby and get all sorts of, I'm amazed when I go through some of the, 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 the aisles that I've never been to and I look at and I go, people do stuff with that. That's amazing. Okay. And uh, what, one, uh, my, my hobbies tend to go toward uh, like uh, home projects. And so, uh, you know, I've, we've done a lot of painting and, and updating in our house and, and I've uh, redone a couple of tables, our dining room table and our kitchen table. This summer, my big project was, was uh, uh, tearing down the, uh, the, the boards from the rotting deck out back and putting in the Trex boards so it's not going to rot anymore. And, and uh, so they kind of refurbish or, or restore that. Um, one thing I've never really put my hand to uh, has uh, is is uh, something that comes to my mind as we think about this idea of restoring, and uh, I think about people who restore old cars. Maybe that's some of you guys uh, uh, or girls, I, whatever. But uh, uh, I've always admired someone who can take an old rusty frame and a broken down engine and and then recreate a classic, right? Uh, it's expensive, it's messy, it takes a lot of skill, a lot of time, a lot of patience, uh, but the results can, can be amazing. I had a friend once who, uh, who took the better part of a couple of years to restore an old Mustang. I think it was a 65 Mustang. Um, and, uh, it, it, I, I would have painted it. He did, he did navy blue and that was great. The only thing, you know, I would have done red, but that's okay. It was, it was still is a, uh, I, I remember you'd drive past his house. He lived on kind of a main, main road in the town where we lived and, and, uh, you drive past his house and he was, uh, uh, if, if he was uh, off uh, that day or that afternoon or whatever, he was in the driveway or in the garage doing something with that car. And uh, he was, uh, uh, I mean, his hands were beat up. You'd see him on, a, on, a, on a, the weekend or on a Sunday and he's got cuts and bruises and whatever. And, uh, and, and uh, he'd, he'd been doing all sorts of things. His, um, his hands were beat up. His, uh, his bank account was maybe beat up a little bit because he was spending all his extra money. But the big day, it was, a, it was a big day when he turned the key in that ignition and started up and he took the car around the block. Uh, just a, a, an amazing thing. He had, he had brought that old, rusty, classic car back to life. And, and that picture uh, is, uh, is one that comes to mind when I read that line in, in the 23rd Psalm, he restores my soul. And that's, that's the, what, what comes next here as we've been walking through this classic psalm. Uh, so we'll, we'll read up to that point. Psalm 23, verses 1 through beginning of 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And already we've, we've learned so much in just a couple of weeks, in just a couple of verses, uh, it, it matters who our shepherd is, right? Uh, we can follow a whole lot of shepherds, uh, uh, things and people, and, and, uh, and, and we can follow a whole lot of things, but if it's, if it's the Lord, if we're following the Lord, then we won't be let down, that he is the one that we can trust to provide for us. Um, uh, we can be content, we can, we can have peace enough to lie down, and, and uh, we can know that he is working on our behalf and everything is under his control. And now we see that the shepherd is the one who can restore our very souls. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever needed your soul restored? It, it, it's amazing to me that, uh, that, that uh, um, something written, I mean, literally thousands of years ago, these words were written, and, and yet they can still speak directly to, uh, to what we need today. 
But, but even as I think through this, uh, something seems like maybe it doesn't quite fit here. Because up to this point, David, uh, who wrote this psalm, uh, King David, shepherd boy David, uh, uh, killing Goliath David, this is the guy who wrote this psalm. And, and he's been using the imagery here of a, of a shepherd leading and caring for his sheep. And, and David had experience with that. He was the youngest brother in a large family and he's growing up in Bethlehem and so it fell to him to, to hang out in the fields with the sheep a lot of the time because he kind of drew the short straw. And, and, and he had a lot of experience with those, those woolly animals, I guess. And, and, uh, and we see that, that he'd had a lot of time as we walked through this psalm. We see he had a lot of time to consider uh, how God's leadership of his people was a lot like uh, a shepherd leading his sheep. And, and, and that imagery is literally throughout scripture and, and uh, you'll, you'll be surprised as you spend time in scripture where it, it pops up and over and over again, it's the shepherd and his sheep, God and his people, the shepherd and his sheep. But now it seems if David is, is, is looking at the sheep and uh, comparing that to us, it seems like maybe he's veering off course here because it says he restores my soul. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds theologically, but I'm pretty sure that most of us would agree that sheep don't have souls, Right? Uh, I know that all dogs go to heaven, and I know that most cats don't. Um, sorry, am I allowed to say? I can't. We have two cats, both of which are sick, and we would wish that, no, they, we, would, we don't wish them to go to heaven. No, we, we wish for them to be restored, right? We restore our cats. No, uh, I, I don't think sheep have soul. I don't, uh, I, so, so David's talking about this and he's saying we're the sheep and we're, like, and, and we're like the sheep, but then it says that he restores my soul. And, and then, so that doesn't really quite make sense. And then also as I'm reading this, I'm going, okay, but if I'm following Jesus and, and he's my shepherd and, and he's leading me to all these great places, then, then why would my soul need to be restored? I mean, if I'm on track with God, shouldn't I be living on a spiritual high all the time uh, if the Lord is my shepherd? Well, I, I hope that, uh, that I'm not the only one whose soul needs to be restored at times. Uh, even David, uh, whom scripture refers to as a man after God's own heart, experienced difficulty in following his shepherd at times. Uh, he, he ran into a whole lot of problems, uh, sins, failures. Uh, they all drew him away from, uh, from uh, following the shepherd and he needed to be restored back to right standing with God. And, and we'll also see here in just a second uh, how that relates to the physical life of, of sheep. One place where, where David uh, himself highlighted that, that fact that, that he uh, needed to be restored at times is, uh, is another psalm, just a, a, a few, uh, if, if the, I guess if this is a hymn book, uh, it'd be uh, somebody yell out at the singspiration, let's sing number 42, right? Anybody remember the Sunday night singspiration? That's just me, I guess, right? No, there's two of you, good, I see that hand. Uh, but uh, you'd, uh, you'd flip through and, and somebody, let's sing number 42. So Psalm 42, David also wrote, and um, and. and we see that, that he's describing that his soul needed some help. That it wasn't just all, I'm following Jesus and it's all up and to the right and everything's great, and, but, but he's recognizing that his, his soul, he describes his soul as downcast. Three different times uh, in Psalm 42. Uh, verse five, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Verse six, my soul is downcast within me. Verse 11, he repeats what he already said in verse five. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. David described uh, his soul as 
downcast. Now we could we could uh, uh, assume there that he was depressed, or or maybe he was experiencing guilt over sin. Uh, he'd gotten his eyes off of God somehow, and and onto other issues in his life, and it's probably a combination of uh, of all those things. But but suffice it to say, David's soul needed to be restored. Right, he was he was downcast. Uh, he was he's trying to trying to muster up the uh, the courage and the energy to put his hope in God, but he's he's downcast. He he needs some help, and and it's here um, that I learned an awful lot that I didn't know before about uh, uh, sheep behavior in the the book that that we're kind of uh, is our is our uh, our help through this series. Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm Twenty Three. Uh, when he talks about this, uh, this idea of, of God restoring our souls. The, the term that David used in Psalm 42 uh, is that it was downcast. Or, uh, or some folks would turn that around and say it was cast, that my soul is cast down. Or, or you could just say cast. And that, that word, that, that term cast, is actually a term used in shepherding sheep, referring to the time when, and I guess it's more common than not, uh, when a sheep lays down, and then gets tipped over so far onto its back that it can't get up on its own. Uh, they, they call that a cast sheep. And it's dangerous. It's even life-threatening. I, uh, since I'm not a shepherd, I'll let uh, Philip Keller describe what happens. Here's a little segment from that, uh, from that chapter in his book. He says, A heavy, fat, or long-fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground. It may roll on its side slightly to stretch out and, and, or relax. And suddenly, the center of gravity in the body shifts so that it turns on its back far enough that the feet no longer touch the ground. It may feel a sense of panic and start to paw frantically, and frequently this only makes things worse. It, it, it rolls over further, and now it is quite impossible for it to regain its feet. As it lies there struggling, gases begin to build up in the rumen. Rumen is the first stomach, I think, there. So uh, um, uh, it starts to build up in his, uh, in his gut. And as those gases expand, they tend to retard and cut off blood circulation to extremities of the body, especially the legs. If the weather is very hot and sunny, a cast sheep can die in a few hours. If it is cool and cloudy and rainy, it may survive in this position for several days. So that's the image. You've got the image of this, this big woolly sheep on its back with its uh, legs in the air and it can't get turned back over. And, and initially, you know, my thought is that's kind of a comical thought until you realize this is literally life-threatening for the sheep. So uh, the shepherds are very in tune with the fact that this could happen. And so uh, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're aware of this tendency for, for sheep to do this. But they're not the only ones that are aware of it. The, uh, the predators are also aware of this tendency uh, to know that those, uh, those sheep are then in danger if they are cast. So a shepherd has to be extra vigilant all the time in order to ensure, uh, ensure that his sheep are, are uh, up on their feet and, and, uh, and, and not cast down. He's, he's constantly watching and counting and looking and, and uh, that's the image then that uh, in the, the, the parable that Jesus told about the, the shepherd who, who uh, kept the 99 and, and went out looking for the one because he knew that one was, was, was gone, was in danger. It's the same idea where the shepherd is always watching the flock and, and counting and making sure and oh, I don't see uh, uh, three or four, let's go out and see where they are and what they're, and uh, could very well be that there's a cast sheep or two. I think it's also important for us to realize the, the, the shepherd's response when a sheep is cast. 
some might think that that shepherd probably would get frustrated, irritated, especially if the same sheep, he tells in the book about one sheep that he had that every other day the, the sheep was, was, uh, was, was cast and he'd have to always be looking and, and uh, you'd, you'd think that, that this sheep, the, the shepherd would just get kind of uh, ticked off about all this and fed up with it and, and there might be a roll of the eyes or at least a sigh or a look of disappointment or, or shame or anger. Uh, I, I'm sure that, that, that shepherds do that but not the good ones. The good shepherds don't respond that way. Again, I I love Keller's description as he tells about finding and restoring a cast sheep back to health. He says, as soon as I reached the cast ewe, my first impulse was to pick it up. Tenderly, I would roll the sheep over on its side. This would relieve the pressure of gases in the rumen. If she had been down for long, I would have to lift her onto her feet. Then, straddling the sheep with my legs, I would hold her erect, rubbing her limbs to restore the circulation to her legs. This often took quite a little time. When the sheep started to walk again, she often just stumbled, staggered, and collapsed in a heap once more. All the time I worked on the cast sheep, I would talk to it gently. When are you going to learn to stand on your own feet? I'm so glad I found you in time, you rascal. Little by little, the sheep would regain its equilibrium. It would start to walk steadily and surely. By and by, it would dash away to join the others, set free from its fears and frustrations, given another chance to live a little longer. And, And then he writes this line. All of this pageantry is conveyed to my heart and mind when I repeat the simple statement, he restores my soul that picture it it's it it mirrors the image of of god described in yet another psalm so now we flip over the the hymnal a few pages to psalm 56 uh, verse 13 and, and david paints this same picture he says for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. Isn't that cool? And again, that image of, of that, that sheep that's been, been put back up upright and, and held until it was able to, uh, uh, to, to get its own strength back and then uh, goes off to an, enjoy life again. It's the picture of God restoring our souls. Some people might see God as this uh, grouchy old man in the sky or this, this ogre that's, that's just ready to pounce all, all over us when we mess up, right? And you've gotten ourselves in trouble, and oh, I, I, I can't, can't even turn my back for a second, or I can't, oh, I've got to do, and, and, and we just think that God is, uh, you know, it's this, these lightning bolts, and he's there to zap us and punish us, and, and uh, it's that person that, that, oh, I can't go to church because it'll fall down around me because of whatever, you know, we have this, this thing that God is just waiting and ready to, uh, uh, to get us. Now, you know, with that person, I mean, if he was going to get you, he'd, he would have gotten you already. He's not waiting for you to go to church to do it, but... Um, uh, that's the picture that a lot of people have of God, of this vengeful, uh, just waiting on the edge of heaven for us to mess up so he can, he can zap us, right? It's not the picture of the Lord as our shepherd. Of course, God is a God of justice, and certainly there is punishment for sin, but Scripture also says that God extends grace and love, and he does not treat us as our sins deserve. As that psalm that I just read says, he delivers us from death and our feet from stumbling. You need to know that the heart of the Lord, your shepherd, is not one that is going to inflict shame, but is a heart of compassion and care. And concern. He's always watchful for those of us who are cast down. Not so that he can punish, but so that he can save us and restore us. 
ask again, does your soul need to be restored? With the Lord as your shepherd, he is ready and willing to get you back on your feet again to restore you to life so that you can walk before God in the light of life. So that's the image that, uh, that, that is painted as we, as we uh, transport ourselves out to the, uh, the pasture and see the sheep and, and their tendency to become cast and, and how the shepherd responds. But, but I think we also need to recognize uh, how a sheep gets cast in the first place and, uh, and what the parallels might be to our spiritual lives. There's, there's a couple key ways that, uh, that, that sheep find themselves cast. And the first is that they are seeking their own comfort. Usually a sheep ends up on its back because it finds a great soft low place to lay down in the shade. And it, it comes naturally for them to look for a place where they'll feel good and they'll be comfy and happy. I mean, most sheep... Uh, are probably walking around the pasture saying, doggone it, I deserve to be happy, right? They're probably walking around saying that, I'm sure. So, so when, they, when they find a nice, soft, uh, low place to lay down, they head right for it because it's, it's comfortable and every, everything feels all snuggly and cozy and wonderful. Many times also, um, in this comfort, is uh, the cast sheep are usually the ones that are carrying a little extra weight, let's say. You know what? Let's just say they're fat. Okay, they're they're the fatter ones, and uh, and so those extra pounds uh, make it difficult for them to uh, uh, to get up after they've been nestling down into that cozy spot. Their their uh, center of gravity is such that they just can't get up. So so I guess we could describe a sheep uh, that is prone to being cast as being, for lack of better terms, fat and lazy, or always seeking their own comfort. Now. I want to be as comfortable as, as anybody else, and, but, but, but following the shepherd spiritually is a life of discipline and purpose, not just ease and comfort. We, we can't just be out for what we can get for ourselves, but for how we can please our shepherd, our master. Uh, we, we tend to not like the word discipline. It sounds hard. Doesn't sound all that fun, right? But, but the great accomplishments in life are only achieved through hard work and discipline. I mean, my mind goes, goes straight to, uh, to this picture right here. You remember those guys? Remember Wally? That was a long time ago. Uh, the, the, the Disney movie Wally and, uh, all the people had been put on this spaceship and they're just traveling the galaxy and every women desire is met. So much so that their, their, uh, skeletal frames had kind of turned to goo and they couldn't even hold themselves up, right? Uh, they, they get whatever they wanted. They just plugged it in. Uh, uh, some people say that we're turning into these things because we've got the screens in front of us and we can order whatever we want and it just shows up at our house and, and all those things. Uh, I don't know about that, but I, I, I do know that I don't want to end up like, uh, like those guys spiritually. They, they spend every time, uh, uh, spent all their time having every women desire provided so they'd lost their ability to, uh, to, uh, to be strong in their own strength. Now, of course, there are times when we need to stop and rest, and, and those are uh, the, we talked about that last week, that, that as God provides for our needs, we can lay down and, and rest and, and, and find, find some comfort there. But, but, but our goal in life is not to make things as easy for ourselves as possible. And yet I think a lot of people are living that way. Uh, even, even in our spiritual lives. God's mission for you is, is not for you to be as comfortable as you can be. 
He is leading you as your shepherd to be disciplined and healthy, especially in your soul, so that he can use you to make a difference in the world and to accomplish his mission, uh, not only for your life, but for the world, that his kingdom would come and his kingdom comes through us, but not if we're only seeking our own comfort. If you're seeking your own comfort, spiritually fat and lazy, those, those things won't happen. The, the, the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews describes it in, in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. He says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer even try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We can't just stay uh, in the flock as baby sheep, so to speak, always wanting to get our own warm milk, our own comfort. Uh, We have to, as that scripture says, we have to train ourselves to distinguish good from evil. 1 Timothy 4.17 echoes that. uh, Paul tells us to train ourselves to be godly. And I, I immediately, when I think about somebody training themselves, it's, it, it, my mind goes to sports, uh, right? It takes discipline. It's hard. Uh, it makes you sore. Uh, you sweat a lot. Uh, uh, but, but, but it's right and it's good and it develops the muscles that we need in order to, uh, in order to accomplish what we're, what we're setting out to accomplish in sports. Well, the same is true, uh, spiritually. I don't know if we're supposed to sweat a lot spiritually, but, uh, but, but it, it should, it, it takes training. One of my uh, one of my hobbies, as you know, is long distance running. In a typical week, I'm I'm uh, spending more days running than I'm not, and um, there are certainly days when I just don't want to. And uh, but as I've thought about it, I I don't think I've ever regretted going ahead and running, even if I didn't want to, even if I didn't feel like it. But there have been quite a few times when I've talked myself out of running, and later I've regretted not going and doing that hard thing. Uh, I know what's best for me. I know I need to get out there and pound the pavement in order to, uh, uh, to, to that's, that's the way that I'm, uh, one way that I'm keeping healthy and, and training myself physically. It's, it's only when I, when I do that hard work, when I push myself, that I can grow and develop. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of quotes. But this isn't just a, a spiritual uh, uh, principle. It's, it's, I think, a principle of life. There are a lot of quotes floating around about uh, uh, being comfortable or pushing ourselves beyond what's comfortable. Uh, there, there's that quote, nothing really great really happens in your comfort zone. Uh, the most interesting things in life happen on just the other side of your comfort zone. Um, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Uh, I, I like this one from Einstein. I, I ran across this week a ship in its port is safe but that is not what ships are built for isn't that isn't that good uh, it's not just a bible thing I mean it, it's how we're made we're, we're we're not created to pursue uh, uh spiritually we're not pre- created to pursue obesity and laziness God's mission for us is not to find a comfy spot on the couch and not have anyone or anything bug us so we can get our own way and be comfortable and and happy We're created to pursue Jesus. We're created to follow our good shepherd with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength and that takes determination and discipline and when we're living like that, there's very little chance of becoming cast down, downcast in our souls. 
We've got to recognize that, 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 uh, that we can't just be pursuing the comfortable things of life, just getting what we think we want. In that, we're gonna find ourselves in need of being restored. There, there's another, uh, another key component uh, in sheep that causes them to be cast, and that is that they have too much wool. Too much wool. Uh, it, it gets heavier and heavier. It gets matted with dirt and, and manure and, and all sorts of debris. And the heavier that it gets and the more, more contaminated it becomes, the more susceptible that sheep is to being cast down and unable to get up. Again, the, the weight just kind of draws them down and they don't have the strength to, uh, to, to pull themselves back up again. Of course, the remedy for, uh, for having too much wool is an old-fashioned shearing, right? You shear the sheep. Now, from what I understand, it's not exactly a pleasant process for either the shepherd or the sheep, but it's a necessity uh, for, uh, for, for the well-being of, of both, shepherd and sheep. Once all that dirty wool is removed, it's so much easier for the sheep to be able to follow the shepherd and to get around and to do what they're meant to do. And, and, and then the shepherd is no longer concerned with always looking and, and seeing, oh, is that sheep cast down? Is that sheep? When, when they've uh, been, uh, been sheared, there's less, less chance of them being cast. Now, through the shearing, it's, it's hard work for the shepherd. It's not a barrel of fun for the sheep. And there's the, there's the potential for, for bruises and cuts on both. But once the shearing is over, they're both relieved. So what's the parallel to our spiritual lives? I mean, we don't grow wool. Uh, we're, we're not against having wool sweaters, right? That's not the point. The, the wool, I, I think, the wool is a, is a great image of where we are in constant contact with the world around us. And we can get contaminated by habits and ideas and influences that can, that can cling to us and then drag us down and, and makes it harder and harder to follow the shepherd. It's what Keller calls in his book the, the clinging accumulation of things, of possessions, of worldly ideas that can weigh us down and hold us back from truly following the shepherd with, with our whole hearts and lives. And, and so I, 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 if that's what we're doing and we can become contaminated and things can cling to us in the world where we live, how do we get rid of that? What do, what do, we, uh, what do we do? What is the uh, image of shearing that, uh, that, that, that we, could, uh, uh, we could draw here? And, and I, I believe that uh, uh, that that, that uh, ultimately, not only is, is it God working in us, but literally through, through his word, through the truth of God's word. The Bible is described as a double-edged sword that can cut right to the heart of the, the matter. When we expose ourselves to the truths of God, instead of allowing the contamination of this world to influence us, it's like shedding that excess weight and uh, whatever has been caught in there, manure and everything else, the sinful culture that, that, that can uh, contaminate us and, and hold us back. If we're not exposing ourselves to the truths of God, if we're not opening scripture, if we're not spending time uh, regularly and, and deeply seeking out God's truth, then, uh, then we, will, we have so much more chance of becoming cast down in our souls, uh, being dragged away from what he desires for our lives. It's, 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 it's so easy to, to pick up the debris of the, the, quote, truths of this world when we're not spending time in the truths of God's word. 
And so uh, whether it's uh, gathering in a place like this for, uh, for worship and, and uh, hearing from uh, God's word proclaimed this way, or if it's a, a group where, you, uh, where we, we meet and open God's word together, your own personal devotional time, all of those are, are times and places where we need to be exposing ourselves to the truths of God's word so that it can shear off anything that, that might be holding us back and so that we can fully and completely seek after God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength because God's word, one, one great thing that God's word does is that it restores our soul. What, what things in your life are you holding on to? What is it that, that God is wanting you to shed or to have sheared off? I think one, one big red flag is if you find yourself avoiding the truths of God's word and then you're not exposing yourself to what he might want to do in your life. Um, as you expose yourself to God's word, he'll point those things out. And maybe it's not a pleasant experience, but, but uh, it, maybe it hurts a little bit as we say no to the things of this world and yes to the things of God. But, but, but when we do, it's always better. And, uh, and, and we, we can seek after him with all of our hearts and follow our shepherd. If anything is keeping us from pursuing the shepherd with all of our hearts, we need to allow him to shear it off four words today he restores my soul it sounds so so soft and warm and cozy oh i want that i want to i want my soul restored let me get a warm cup of tea and a fire and we can restore souls right feels feels great but maybe it's not so warm and cozy when we think about some of the things i'm i'm thankful for a shepherd who is always watching attentive to when I might be in danger of being cast down uh, and, and need to be restored. I'm also thankful for, for the discipline to keep following closely, to seek after the truth of God uh, that, uh, that, that can keep me from becoming cast down in the first place. I hope that as you hear those words uh, today and in the days ahead, as you read this psalm, as it, as it uh, penetrates your, your heart and your life, that, that the image of that sheep might come to mind. Or, uh, or the image of, that, of those, uh, those sheep laying on their backs unable to do anything. And that good shepherd that can come and get them back on track and hold them until they're ready and allow them to go just like he does with us. He restores my soul. Father God, may your spirit have your way in us today. Even if it's painful, Lord, I pray that you would get rid of anything that's holding us back. Lord, it is my prayer that you would restore our souls. And then, Lord, that you would keep us from getting that way in the first place, that we can live that victorious life with you, following you as our good shepherd. Father God, we give ourselves to you today. Do your work in us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.